This is the Come Read With Me Podcast. This is Come Read With Me, The Book of Mormon, episode number four. Welcome to Come Read With Me, The Book of Mormon. Today, we are jumping right into 1 Nephi chapter 4, a huge chapter and a great one that we're excited to dig into today. You may notice this episode can sound a little bit different than our ones in the past and hopefully our ones in the future. Today, we're recording remotely, so things might sound a little bit different. Remember, grab your Book of Mormon, grab a pencil, Take some notes, mark the words you understand or don't understand or questions you might have. All of it's an important part of studying the Book of Mormon. Dave, can you lead us off with a recap of where we are so far? Absolutely. As we've learned so far, uh, there's a prophet, Lehi, living in Jerusalem who is preaching the good word of God and was being rejected. Um, His life was in danger and the Lord commanded him to take his family and depart into the wilderness. And they did so. Uh, We read in chapter 3 that Lehi had a vision in which the Lord instructed him to send his boys back to the city of Jerusalem to obtain the brass plates. Now, what did the brass plates contain that was of such importance? One, it contained a record of the Jews. It contained a genealogy of Lehi's family. It would preserve the language of the Jews that Lehi and his family could use while in the wilderness. And most importantly, It preserved the words of the prophets that had been written thus far. Laban was a distant relative of of Lehi and had control of the treasury where these plates of brass were stored. So Nephi and his older brothers, Laman and Lemuel and Sam, leave the wilderness and head back to Jerusalem. Nephi and his brothers came up with an idea that they would cast lots to see who would go into the house of Laban and ask for the plates of brass. Well, they did so. And the oldest brother, Laman, drew the short straw, went into Laban's house, asked for the plates, and was kicked out. On their second attempt, rather than leaving it to chance, they decided that they would go back to their home where they had left their gold, silver, and all manner of precious things and take that unto Laban, and in essence, for an exchange, the plates of brass for their riches. Laban was greedy, saw all those riches, and decided he wanted that anyways without giving them the plates of brass and had his servants chase them out. Well, this upset the older brothers, Laman and Lemuel, and they decided to beat Nephi with a rod. As they were doing so, an angel appeared unto them, commanded them to stop, and said, Behold, ye shall go up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. So here we see, we're going to pick up now with Nephi, Sam, Laman, and Lemuel going back into the house of Laban to obtain these plates. The first time they failed by chance, The second time they failed by their own devices. And the third time we will now read is where the Lord will deliver Laban into their hands. Fantastic. Thanks for the recap, Dave. Quick reminder of what you'll be hearing during this podcast when you hear this sound here. That means the next words you hear will be scripture. As we chime in with our own thoughts or explanations, you'll hear this sound that takes us out of the scriptures. And then what you're hearing is our own opinions and thoughts. Okay. So let's get started. 1 Nephi chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass... Okay, Dave, I'm going to jump in real quick here, right at the beginning. And it came to pass... You may have noticed, everybody, that that phrase appears quite often already in the Book of Mormon. You've heard that phrase probably, I don't know, eight or ten times uh, in the last few chapters. 
And it came to pass as actually a literary device used in Hebrew. Uh, there is a word called, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, but it's weyahai. I think, it, I think it is weyahai. And that word is a Hebrew word, which means sort of and then, uh, or then the next thing was, and it means something similar to that. And it's translated here as, and it came to pass. This phrase is also translated from that same root of weyahai in the Old Testament some 727 times. Anyway. So I just want to make sure everyone knows why that phrase appears here quite as often as it does. So here we go. Right back in. First Nephi chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass that I spake unto my brethren, saying, Let us go up again unto Jerusalem, and let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than all the earth. Then why not mightier than Laban and his fifty? Yea, or even than his tens of thousands. Wherefore, let us go up. Let us be strong like unto Moses, for he truly spake unto the waters of the Red Sea, and they divided hither and thither. And our fathers came through out of captivity on dry ground, and the armies of Pharaoh did follow and were drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. Now behold, ye know that this is true, and ye also know that an angel hath spoken unto you. Wherefore can ye doubt? Let us go up. The Lord is able to deliver us even as our fathers, and to destroy Laban, even as the Egyptians. Eric, let me just jump in there. One thing that I love about this verse is Nephi obviously was familiar with the stories and the history of Moses and and other parts of the Bible. And I love how Nephi likened those scriptures unto him. Now that's fancy language, scriptural language that means he related to it. He took what he had read before or learned before from previous experiences and applied it into his own life and and gained insight, gained strength, gained faith as a result of that. I think that's a great example of what we can do. We can look to our ancestors or other parts in history and we can look and see how people overcame things, how they did things, and we can then be motivated. We can gain strength from that and move forward. I just love that example of, of Nephi, how he refers back to that. Absolutely. I feel much the same way. One of the things I love here is that he hears that story of what happened in the past. He knows that the Lord that delivered the Hebrews out of the Egyptians' hands is the same Lord that has commanded them to go out into the wilderness. And so he knows that those same promises and those same protections are available to him. And and we know this. We know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the promises and examples that are set even in ancient scripture can still apply to us today. Okay, right back in. First Nephi Chapter 4, verse 4. Now when I had spoken these words, they were yet wroth, and did still continue to murmur. Nevertheless, they did follow me, up until we came without the walls of Jerusalem. And it was by night, and I caused that they should hide themselves without the walls. And after they had hid themselves, I, Nephi, crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban. Eric, if I may just interject here a couple of words that maybe are old-fashioned. In verse 4, we, we read that Nephi spoke to his brothers and they were yet wroth. Wroth means angry in this context. In addition, Nephi says that they came up to Jerusalem until they were without the walls of Jerusalem. That means outside of. And we see that again in verse 5, that Nephi caused that they should hide themselves without the walls or outside of the walls. Just wanted to interject a couple of definitions in there. Fantastic. Okay, right back in on verse 6. And I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Nevertheless, I went forth. 
And as I came near unto the house of Laban, I beheld a man, and he had fallen to the earth before me, for he was drunken with wine. And when I came to him, I found that it was Laban, and I beheld his sword, and I drew it forth from the sheath thereof, and the hilt thereof was of pure gold, and the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine. And I saw that the blade thereof was of the most precious steel. And it came to pass that I was constrained by the spirit that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, Never at any time have I shed the blood of man. And I shrunk, and would that I might not slay him. And the spirit said unto me again, Behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Yea, and I also knew that he had sought to take away mine own life. Yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord. And he also had taken away our property. And it came to pass that the Spirit said unto me again, Slay him, for the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. A lot of what we just read, um, I want to unpack a little bit. One of the things I love is verse 6 and 7, where Nephi says, I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do, Nevertheless, I went forth. Dave, I think if I was going to get a tattoo, I would get nevertheless, I went forth tattooed on me somewhere because I love <laughs> I love that example uh, because he's, he's saying that the Spirit's telling him one step at a time, the next step he should take. And he doesn't know where he's going to end up. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. But nevertheless, he's following that Spirit and he's following it to trust the Lord and go and do what he's being commanded to do absolutely love that. Next, I want to say, you know, he he sees Laban and he's constrained by the spirit to slay him so that he can get the brass plates. And then he says, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. One of the things I want to point out here is, is how true that is just in context of the time and the people that we're talking about here. So again, this is 600 BC. So 600 BC, Old Testament Jerusalem here. And the examples that he would have had in mind would be something like Egypt and, you know, the plagues of Egypt and the firstborn of every family in Egypt being slain as one of the plagues. The city of Jericho that was toppled and destroyed in many other cities that the Lord commanded his ancestors to destroy. Even things like the priests of Baal and other examples like that, um, where, where the wicked were slain for the righteous purposes of our Father in heaven. So just some examples of what he's talking about there when it says, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. Okay, back in at verse 14. And now when I, Nephi, had heard these words, I remembered the words of the Lord, which he had spake unto me in the wilderness, saying that, inasmuch as thy seed shall keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land of promise. Yea, and I also thought that they could not keep the commandments of the Lord according to the law of Moses, say they should have the law. And I also knew that the law was engraven upon the plates of brass. And again, I knew that the Lord had delivered Laban into my hands for this cause, that I might obtain the records according to his commandments. Therefore, I did obey the voice of the Spirit, and I took Laban by the hair of the head, and I smote off his head with his own sword. And after I had smitten off his head with his own sword, I took the garments of Laban and put them upon mine own body, yea, even every wit, and I did gird on his armor about my loins. And after I had done this, I went forth unto the treasury of Laban. And as I went forth towards the treasury of Laban, behold, I saw the servant of Laban who had the keys of the treasury. And I commanded him in the voice of Laban that he should go with me into the treasury. 
and he supposed me to be his master, Laban, for he beheld the garments and also the sword girded about my loins. And he spake unto me concerning the elders of the Jews, he knowing that his master, Laban, had been out by night among them. And I spake unto him as if it had been Laban. And I also spake unto him that I should carry the engravings which were upon the plates of brass to my elder brethren who were without the walls. And I also bade him that he should follow me. And he, supposing that I spake of the brethren of the church, and that I was truly that Laban whom I had slain, wherefore he did follow me. And he spake unto me many times concerning the elders of the Jews, as I went forth unto my brethren who were without the walls. All right, I'm going to jump in right here. One of the things I love about the Book of Mormon is how obvious the humanity is in it. And as I'm picturing Nephi uh, dressed as Laban, and then Zoram, we're about to find out his name, Zoram is the servant of Laban, and it's clear that the, the servant of Laban is is nervous because he thinks his master Laban is asking him to do all these things and even to follow him outside of the city. And it's clear that he just keeps saying, he, he keeps talking about the elders of the Jews. Nephi says this, I think, three times just in these few verses. If he keeps talking about the elders of the Jews, I can picture just this sort of nervous chit-chat of, of Zoram just trying to sort of keep an awkward conversation going as his master keeps telling him what to do next. Uh, I just, I love that. I love how human that is and how, how relatable that would be if that were me and, and I had a master that was coaching me <laughs> in the same way. Okay, back in at verse 28. And it came to pass that when Laban saw me, he was exceedingly frightened, and also Lemuel and Sam. And they fled from before my presence, for they supposed it was Laban, and that he had slain me and had sought to take away their lives also. And it came to pass that I called after them, and they did hear me. Wherefore, they did cease to flee from my presence. And it came to pass that when the servant of Laban beheld my brethren, he began to tremble and was about to flee from before me and return to the city of Jerusalem. And now I, Nephi, being a man large in stature and also having received much strength of the Lord, therefore I did seize upon the servant of Laban and held him that he should not flee. And it came to pass that I spake unto him that if he would hearken unto my words as the Lord liveth and as I live, even so, that if he would hearken unto our words, we would spare his life. And I spake unto him, even with an oath, that he need not fear, that he should be a free man like unto us, if he would go down in the wilderness with us. And I spake unto him, saying, Surely the Lord hath commanded us to do this thing, and shall we not be diligent in keeping the commandments of the Lord? Therefore, if thou wilt go down into the wilderness to my father, Thou shalt have place with us. Hey, Eric, I just want to jump in there real quick. I love this part, this dialogue between Nephi and Zoram. Zoram thinks that Nephi is his master Laban. He's dressed like him. He looks like him. His voice sounds like him. He's talking about things that Laban would sound like. So he's just kind of going along with Nephi, who's appearing as Laban, when all of a sudden Nephi's brothers freak out because they think that it's Laban coming. And so Nephi then has his voice that says, hey guys, it's just me, at which point Zoram starts to flip out. I love that because it, we read in verse 32 what Nephi does to calm Zoram's fears. And in the middle of that verse, he says, as the Lord liveth and as I live. That was, again refers back to a previous episode where we talk about this oath, this promise. That was the the highest form of truth or or swearing that one could do 
on the life of himself or the life of the Lord. And I just think that that's interesting. As soon as Nephi tells him that, and then he proceeds to make an oath that he shouldn't fear, we're going to read now what happens or how Zoram reacts to that. I just think that this is kind of powerful. Absolutely. Okay, back in at verse 35. And it came to pass that Zoram did take courage at the words which I spake. Now Zoram was the name of the servant, and he promised that he would go down into the wilderness unto our father. Yea, and he also made an oath unto us that he would tarry with us from that time forth. Now we were desirous that he would tarry with us for this cause, that the Jews might not know concerning our flight into the wilderness, lest they should pursue us and destroy us. And it came to pass that when Zoram had made an oath unto us, our fears did cease concerning him. And it came to pass that we took the plates of brass and the servant of Laban and departed into the wilderness and journeyed unto the tent of our father. Okay, one thing I love at the end of that is that Zoram makes an oath. And at this point, they take his oath as his bond and they move on. They're no longer concerned about him. One of the things that I think is is great in seeing that is that that might sound a little foreign to us today, the notion of taking somebody at their word, especially at such a high cost or with such high stakes. Uh, but the reality is, is before modern technologies, before the modern world in which we live, where everything could be verified and re-verified and cross-checked and background checked and everything else that we do today to make sure someone's being honest, back then, the only thing they had to go on was somebody's word. And so I love that in the context of where they are and the place and time in which they are, they're acting as they would. And they're taking him at his word and moving on and not concerned about him anymore. So I love that. I love that Zoram is able to operate in faith, knowing that he can take them at their word, that he'll be a free man, and that they can take him at his word, that he'll go and join them. So anyway, I love that. So yeah, that's the end of reading with chapter four. Dave, any other thoughts or takeaways that you see here? Hey, thanks. One of the takeaways that I have here starts in verse 6 and carries on through verse 14. This was a, a big task that Nephi and his brothers had to do. And again, we, we remember at the end of chapter 3, the angel comes to them and says, we're going to do this the Lord's way. And Nephi responds in verse 6, and I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Holy cow, how many times does that happen to us in our life now, where we put our trust in the Lord, not really sure how things are going to turn out, but we do it. And in verse 14, and now when I, Nephi, had heard these words, I remembered the words of the Lord, which he spake unto me in the wilderness, saying, that inasmuch as thy seed shall keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land of promise. My takeaway is when we obey the Lord's commandments or his invitations, that we will prosper. Even if we don't know how it's all going to work out in the end, we still need to act and follow the Spirit. And then I know we've touched on this before, but I love how their word was their bond. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could still, in today's world, be that truthful that my word is my bond and what I say is, is the truth and what you say is the truth and I can accept that. There wouldn't be lying. There wouldn't be deception. And I just really like how, you know, things that we can take away from these prophets, these people, and we can apply into our own lives. So those are my takeaways. How about you, Eric? You know, I've mentioned this several times, and it's it's remains one of my favorite themes 
in the Book of Mormon. And I think this is already the fifth time it's stated and the third time it's stated even in these words, which says, Inasmuch as they shall keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land of promise. And that that is a, a promise that we know can apply to them in their time and can also apply to us in our time. And it's so plainly stated here in such powerful ways. I, I love that. Not to continue to harp on the same thing, but I do love that. Uh, and then simply what I stated before, uh, and the same thing that you said there, nevertheless, I went forth. Um, there's been a few times in my life where I have done something very similar to this, and I'm, and I felt the, the Spirit guiding me by the hand in very specific ways, in ways I didn't know the outcome or the purpose of. And it was exactly this. It was, I didn't know beforehand what I would do. Nevertheless, I went forth. I simply love that. Hey, Eric, one more thing. Again, I know I've talked about this, but at the end of chapter three, when the angel talks to Nephi and his brothers, he says, behold, ye shall go up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. I think in today's world, we think, if the Lord says he's going to deliver something into our hands, we can just sit back idly and it'll fall into our laps. What I love here is that Nephi and his brothers were led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand what they should do. They actually continued to act and do something rather than just sit back passively waiting for the miracle to happen. They they were acting. They were, they were going forward. And I think that, again, that's just a great thing that we can apply in our lives. We can pray for something. We can be prompted by by the Lord to do something, knowing that he will take care of it in his way, but we still need to move forward and not just sit passively. Absolutely. Such powerful examples in this chapter. A fantastic chapter early in the Book of Mormon. First Nephi chapter 4. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. A quick reminder of a way to get a hold of us. We have an email address. It is come read with me, the Book of Mormon at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you need some help getting a Book of Mormon, reach out to us. We'd love to help you. We have a link in the show notes of every episode to the Church of Jesus Christ.org where you can get a copy of the Book of Mormon sent directly to you. If you don't have one to follow along with us, please do that or please get in touch with us and we will make sure you have one so that we can all follow along together and study the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Quick disclaimer here, this podcast is not produced by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everything expressed in this podcast is the opinion of the people making it and is not endorsed by the church or its leaders. Everything in this podcast is intended to promote faith in Jesus Christ by helping you understand the Book of Mormon. Please listen to this podcast with an open heart and pray for guidance from the Lord as you continue reading the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening.